This podcast is proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli. Welcome to my mind. Welcome to the insights of my deeper, deeper thoughts. My name is Steve Layton. Um, welcome to uh, another of my monologues, inspired by the amazing, the wonderful, the has a court order on me, Tom Owen uh, from Sweet Maria's, who's done lots of these kind of inner thought things at Origin. Um, and Jen decided that it would be a good idea if uh, we started to do them for Tampa Tantrum. So, so far I've done Bolivia and um, where else did I do? Oh, Kenya. Uh, and this time you find me in Costa Rica at the end of um, what I like to call my Central America tour. Um, you know, I've played some of the biggest venues. And um, now I've been around four countries in Central America visiting producers that we that we buy from. And, and um, yeah, just really catching up, a little bit of cupping, all of those things, which I, I shall tell you more about as we get into the detail. Before I get into the detail of my Central American tour, um, I think it's kind of good to tell you the places that I haven't been and why I don't go there. So, uh, first off, I know it's not Central America. People, please do not, you do not need to correct me. But I don't go to Mexico. I have bought Mexican coffee in the past. Um, little bits of Mexican coffee, uh, kind of bits here and there. But it's a country that really scares me. Uh, in more so that the quality is very transient. Um, and one year you will find something amazing. I've yet to find anything that then continues to be amazing afterwards. So what I end up doing like, is just finding little bits. So we don't really have any strong relationships there. Not to say that I wouldn't like some strong relationships there. I really, really would. And I'd like to be proved wrong on Mexico. But it's just somewhere that I don't really see the value in going because I could get really friendly and attached and close to these people. And then it disappears away. So it's kind of, it, it, it just doesn't seem to make sense. Um, the other place I don't go is a place where lots and lots of coffee buyers do go. And I know that there is quality. Uh, but I've never really been able to forge uh, relationships there. And that's Panama. Um, Panama, the home of the geisha. Not really, but kind of home of where geisha got refound and rediscovered. And um, I don't go to Panama because, well, it's crowded. Um I've yet to find people who I feel I'd be comfortable working with long. I'd love to work with the Petersons. Rachel, if you're listening, like drop me an email. I'd love to work with you guys. Um, I have bought Panama coffee in the past, um, not in great amounts again. And it's, I don't know, maybe it's my blind side, uh, but I just don't seem to be able to build something sustainable. The other country that I didn't go to in Central America was Honduras. And Honduras is somewhere that I am slowly changing my opinion on. And we are working with a farm there, Cerro Azul. Um, and I'll tell you more about that relationship when I get through the other countries. So, But I didn't go to Honduras. Uh, I did plan to last year, but I had to cry off. I have been a couple of times. Um, and it's somewhere that I, I would very much like to go back to if I could. So we should start at the beginning, what seems like a lifetime ago. But I started in El Salvador. Um, I started in El Salvador for a number of reasons. Um, the main reason is my buddy, uh, Alejandro Martinez, who is the owner of Finca Argentina, or him and his family are the owner of Finca Argentina. Um, Ali has become a super, super close friend. Um, 
a relationship that started in a very strange way with a, a bag being sent to me through the post of coffee, which happens a lot at Has Been Towers. Uh, most of the coffees are pretty awful. And this was a rarity where the, the coffee was pretty amazing. So I, um, uh, I've been working with Ali for a number of years. Um, I normally stop at his house when I go to El Salvador. It's lovely not having to stop in a hotel, um, spending time with his family and, and his friends. And um, he really is one of my closest friends, not just in coffee, but in, 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 in life in general. Um, and we spent the first day, uh, we arrived on the Friday, we spent the Saturday at um, uh, Finca Argentina, which is uh, Ali's farm, which we had a, an amazing time visiting. Um, it is not without its problems. Uh, Ali is a fantastic producer who is really working hard to try lots of different things. A couple of years ago, we bought, well, I think, I forget the name, but I think it's called Kabashi, which is like these big ovens that we, we, we raise some money to build on the farm where he takes the waste wood and turns it into charcoal and adds it to his fertilizer. He's doing lots of uh, organic natural fertilizers, making his own fertilizers uh, from the bacterias on the farm. Um, you know, kind of keeping them in big barrels and then spraying them as foliar sprays and spraying and using them as as, as a fertilizer um and he's quite progressive like he's, he's very we've just we've just cooked the first ever um sample of a varietal called ethiosar which is from nicaragua um he's always up for trying stuff he has an amazing katura lot on the farm uh, not katura a catimor sorry on the farm but the farm is mainly bourbon um as everything is in el salvador and this gives him problems. Um, leaf rust on my favourite part of the, the canton of the farm, uh, Tablon, if you like, uh, is called San Jorge. And San Jorge looks really sad. Um, the plants are really struggling. There is still a leaf rust problem, very evident um, in El Salvador. And, it, and it's somewhere that it, it's better, but it's not fixed by any stretch of the imagination. And San Jorge particularly looked quite sad. And, and Ali's trying to do the right things, you know, he's he's looking after the plants. He, he is using uh, some leaf rust sprays to try and keep it under control. But if you get leaf rust just as the, the fruit is starting to form, you can't spray. And it's just a terrible time for the tree that it's going through this massive stress of producing fruit, but he's struggling with uh, combating what uh, an aggressive and fairly horrible um, uh, disease for these trees. Um, and it's very evident on, on, on Argentina in different sections that, that, that you know, that there's still a problem in El Salvador. Um, we cupped the coffees. Luckily, the coffees were cupping amazing. Um, the yield is definitely up from last year, although it's nowhere near the levels that you would expect from a farm that size and certainly from yields from a few years ago. And, um, you know, we, Ali's got a neighbouring farm called La Manuela, um, which is completely virtually planted with catimor. Um, you know, not not a varietal known for its cup qualities, but known for its resistance to, to, to rust and high yield. And he's just like, I need to have something that I can't rely on this up and down seesaw swinging, um, you know, a, a, of, of yield every year. And Catim will give, will give him some stability. Um, and I just worry that there's lots of other farms that are going to kind of follow similar, similar routes. Um, we have a plan for San Jorge. Um, 
while I was in Nicaragua, which I'll get to in a little while, we've, we've managed to snaffle him a very unique varietal. We've got some seed stock for him, which uh, he's going to collect in a few months and work. He's actually starting next week on the farm where he's going to start ripping out the, the Bourbon trees that are suffering and try and do some try and do something more with that, that section of the farm. Um, and this is the battle of producers. They have to consistently trying to reinvent themselves and, and do something amazing. From here, I went to Suncita. Uh, Suncita is a farm on the border of Guatemala, uh, near to Arshapan and Apaneca and, and those kind of places, um, but very near to that Guatemalan border. You can actually walk through a neighbouring farm through a gate and there's a big post that says El Salvador one side and Guatemala the other side. It, uh, yeah, I don't think they check your passport there either. I didn't see anybody checking passports. But Suncita is a farm that... Um, He's a friend. He's actually the agronomist of Alejandro, and he introduced us um, to the guys there. And a farm that's doing very well. Um, it, it doesn't seem to be as affected with the leaf rust. It's very protected. The neighbouring farms are all owned by family members who are all working and managing the farms. Um, the yellow bourbon um, that we buy from there. Uh, for drop is uh, increasing in yield, in, you know, and, and doing very, very well. It's a super well-run farm. Very, very pleased to see what's happening um, on Suncita, uh, and I think that, that farm's only going to get better and better. Um, so that was there. Um, from here, uh, I met up with a, a friend called Luis Rodriguez. Luis is quite well known in the specialty coffee industry. Uh, he was a regular poster on Coffee in the Day. He was also one of the employees of the Conciejo. The Conciejo is a um, a group that looks after the producers of El Salvador. Um, he now has his own farm and helps his mother-in-law, Gloria Rodriguez, um, to manage the farms. Um, Luis, throughout, and Gloria, I, I always forget to mention Gloria because Gloria's amazing and, and I really should give her the credit she deserves, but the two of them manage the farm so well that the whole leaf rust thing doesn't seem to have affected them so much. Um, and I think a lot of this is because of uh, where they are. They're, again, Arshapan, Apaneca, you know, Santa Ana is much, much more hit. Um, than, than lots of the other places. Um, but also, again, they're surrounded by farms that are worked and, and managed, and, and they own a few farms around there. Um, uh, and we went to four of their farms, and we're seeing that, you know, yeah, there are problems. There are problems on every single farm. Any farmer who tells you that everything's perfect is he's not telling you the truth, but was looking very healthy, and yields were, were looking very, very good. I then went to my other friend, Ernesto Mendez, uh, he is a rock star grower. I'm sure you will have heard of him at some point if you're in specialty coffee. But Ernesto owns farms like Finca La Illusion, Finca Los Andes, Finca Alaska, uh, Finca Los Brumas. Um, and uh, is an amazing processor. And I think the majority of this day was spent... If the majority of the day before with Lewis was geeking out on varietals, the majority of this day was about processing and how to get the very best out of the coffees that he has. And we had some really interesting talks with Ernesto talking about processing, processing El Salvadorian coffees and how there's been a real push towards processing for the buyer. So we were talking about how you know a lot of buyers will turn up and want honeys 
um, want some weird processes doing. And El Salvador is the kind of farm that, uh, kind of country, sorry, that will bend over backwards to do uh, the things that the buyers want. They're very professional. Um, and professionality brings with it um, an empathy with the buyer of what they want. So that we've seen lots of honey processes, lots of strange processes of underwater processing. Um, and Ernesto has, n- not, has, has also been one of these people that's been doing that. But we had a really good talk about, do you know what my coffee... And, and he's a cupper. He tastes his coffee. And he says, I cup my coffees and I cup them as the honeys. And I kind of go, yeah, it's interesting. But I prefer the washed. And he's happier doing the washed. And he's happier doing his washed process, which is not an atypical washed process. Much more of a dry fermentation after pulping. Much more of a not using lots and lots of water. There's very small amounts of water used within it. And I do think that it's it's almost a nod towards a little bit of the honey in because you do end up with a lot more mucilage left on the seed than you would otherwise. But he was saying to me like, Steve, I'd much rather do the bulk of my coffee as washed because this is where I'm happiest. This is where I know it's the best. And this is where I feel I'm serving you better, uh, knowing what I'm doing to give you the best coffee that you possibly can that's going to hold up the best it possibly can and he's going to taste the best it possibly can. And who am I to tell a producer how to uh, process his coffee or her coffee? So it was like, yeah, okay. So the majority of what we're buying from Ernesto is washed. We're buying a tiny bit of natural because he wants to he wants to do some natural experiments and, and, and that was something he offered us. But the honeys, we're very much kind of, we're dropping. We're going to get a move away from that. There are plenty of places and we'll get to them in uh, in the trip where they do uh, honeys much better. But um, I thought that was really refreshing for somebody just to be so honest and say, this is the best way to process my coffee. Can I please process it the best way that I can? So that was Ernesto. From here, I went to with some of the friends that I buy from, which is Carmen and Raphael de Silva Hoff. Um, they own a number of farms. The, the most famous for me, and certainly in Europe, is La Fanny. And uh, Carmen is doing a great, great job on, 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 on the farm. Carmen manages the back end, and uh, Raphael and, uh, like, the, does all the front end stuff. So he's doing all of the... Uh, the processing, the managing the farms, making sure the picking's done properly. Uh, their mill is phenomenal. They're investing so much money in, in the mill. Um, it's it's scary. Uh, every year I go, they're building something new or doing something different and interesting. Um, and this is the diversity of producer in El Salvador. We have, you know, a, 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 a one-two farm grower in Ali. We have somebody like... Carmen and Raphael that are doing the whole process. We have somebody like Ernesto that's doing the process, but on a, on a smaller scale and just his own coffees. And then we have somebody like uh, Gloria and um, uh, Lewis who are uh, picking, managing the mills, but using a, a mill to process their coffees. And everything gives us something a little bit different. And I love the wide portfolio of coffees, tastes, processes that we have in El Salvador. It's it's somewhere I'm super, super proud and one of the longest standing that I've been working. It really is a super cool place. But from here, um, I jumped on a, a very short aeroplane. Uh, I think it's about 25 minutes to Guatemala. Um, and uh, Guatemala is somewhere that I never spend too long in, not because I don't love the country. I just don't like Guatemala City. Um, Something that gets lost on coffee buying. Everybody, 
who I talked to, oh, can I come? I'll carry your bags. Or can I come and, you know, we'll have lots of fun. And it is lots of fun. Don't get me wrong. I've had the best two weeks. But it's super unsafe. So San Salvador, I never stay in. I always stop at Ali's, which is, he lives, uh, El Tonco, which is a coastal coastal village just outside Salvador. Um, Guatemala, I always stop in a hotel. And I always stop in Guatemala City. And I always feel uneasy and uncomfortable. I'm always happy to get outside of the city. Um, the first day, we drove out to uh, a farm that we've been buying from for three, four years now called Jocatales, uh, owned by a guy called Alex. I can't pronounce his surname. I can see it in my head, Ilinaeus or something like that, but I can't pronounce it, so I probably just ruined it. But Alex is a very, very young producer. Um, he's managing his family's farms. He's producing for his family. He's the link to the buyers in the family. Um, I was introduced to him by Raoul um, a few years back. Um, and I was introduced to him drying coffee on the roof of his uncle's house, um, which was just the most bizarrest thing I'd ever seen. Uh, we went in through a very lovely house, went upstairs, and there's like a patio area uh, where there are normally deck chairs and, and things, and there were just loads and loads of different honey processed coffees. Alex loves processing honey. It's something that he's perfected. Um, he spent a lot of time and energy learning about uh, and loves doing it. And this is where honeying can come in as something. If this is something a producer is desperate to do, like we didn't say, can you do the honeying? He said, you know, we found him and he was doing honeying and they tasted amazing and, and he likes to do it as a process. But it also allows him to do it as a process. So he couldn't... Um, you can't do washed on your on your uncle's roof because, you know, you pulp the coffee, but you've got to ferment it. You've got to have some kind of storage. Whereas he realized that if you pulp the cherry, he could take the, the, the pulp natural stroke honey to the roof and dry it himself and be really involved in the process all along with a fairly low barrier of entry. Um, so it's great that he wants to do that. He's also opened a coffee shop um, in the town um, La Cuidad, which is next door to Antigua. If you're ever in Antigua, go check it out. Um, I think it's called Plus 503. If that's the dialing code for Guatemala, that's the name. But it's um, it's a really cool coffee shop. You should go in. I had a beautiful coffee in there while I was there. I had a Chemex that was just the best coffee I'd had on the trip so far. It was absolutely delicious. Um, and Alex is doing great work uh, to continue to improve quality. Um, he's working with a mill. Now, because he has more volume, but he's renting patio space and being completely in control of the uh, the process all the way through, which is super, super exciting. It's a very exciting trip, this, isn't it? Um, from here, I went to a new farm that I, I bought last year for the first time, and it's the first time I'd got to go and visit them from Akatenango. And it's a, a farm called La Soledad. La Soledad um, was... It's a well-established farm. It's been around for a number of years. It's placed very well in Cup of Excellence in the past. Um, they have a great varietal stock. They have a fantastic layout, but not immune to leaf rust either. And they were telling me that, you know, they've been playing with lots of varietals purely to con continue to combat the, 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 the problems of coffee growing. Um, you know, they, they, they continue to have challenges, you know. Yields uh, are not down as such, but they're not growing like they would expect them to with new plantings and such. Um, but the coffee is amazing. I mean, it's just tasting just out of this world good. And it's somewhere that I'm really looking forward to trying to do a little bit more work this year. Um, so that was that was my first day in Guatemala. Um, 
And uh, on the way back from La Soledad, uh, me and Raul Rodas, who is the 2012 World Barista Champion, did a Tampa Tantrum, which is one of the earlier ones you should go back and check out. Um, we had lots of fun that day. Way too comfortable in each other's company, though. Way too comfortable. Um, um, so the next day I went to a place called Palenthia, which is, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, I'm trying to do that, Palenthia, um, which is a city town just out to the northwest of Guatemala City. It's about an hour's drive. And it's somewhere that, as a coffee buyer, before I started buying from there, I didn't really know about. Uh, it's not somewhere I've heard of. It's not somewhere that Ana Cafe uh, put as one of their coffee-growing regions. But the guy who's growing the coffee there, he's really working hard to do um, a, a good job. Um, really listening to feedback. Um, not necessarily taking all the feedback, which I don't want him to. I'm very happy for him to just... For me to give advice and you know and the knowledge we have from customers, but then for the producer to do what it what they will, um, but there was an interesting time on the patio. So we're standing on the patios talking about the drying, and we say like, "How long are you drying for?" And his average drying time is nine, ten days. It gets very warm on his drying patios where he is. It was absolutely scorching, um, so it's quite a quick drying time, I think, from for for, for washed coffee. Um, and we say, have you ever tried to just slow that down a little bit, just see what that does to the quality? No, not really. Nobody said that that's a long time. I said, well, you know, going round kind of 10 to 14 days seems to be a kind of a, a good place for specialty coffee to be dried. So he said, well, why don't we do an experiment? And then three minutes later, there's people running around me with like brushes and turning rakes, breaking up one of the washed piles. Um, and we've initiated a project where half of the washed coffee that were there, which is around about 10 bags, will be dried in the normal way, the typical way that they normally dry their coffees. And the other 10 bags um, are made a little bit thicker. During the middle of the day, they're going to make them into little volcanoes, like mound them, you know, put them into a big pile and then cover them over with tarpaulin um, and slow them down. I've seen some photos uh, because this was this was around about 10 days ago. And uh, I've seen some photos of the coffee drying normally. And that's, that's actually finished now because it, it had had three days and, and seven days later it was ready. The other coffee still isn't ready. Um, and it's going to be ready like today or tomorrow, uh, which is an extra few days on what it normally dries. And we think we're expecting a drying time of 14, 15 days. Uh, and then we're going to have these two bags to try side by side, but also to try with people at home or with coffee shops that we, we work with. Um, we called it Project Chloe, uh, Project Chloe, because the name of the farm cat is Chloe, uh, and every barista doing a barista competition wants to know the name of the cat. Uh, they want to know every other detail, so they may as well know the name of the cat. So, excited to do Project Chloe and see where that one goes to. From Guatemala, um, I then flew to Nicaragua, and Nicaragua is somewhere I hadn't been for a few years, and. I hadn't been, not because I didn't want to go, it's because I didn't have to go. The people I'm working with there, the Maresh family, are just so professional. They're so organised, they're so on it, that I don't need to go. Like, I don't need to go and show my face. I know I'm going to get great quality every time that I do go, uh, you know, every time that I, I buy coffee from. So I will get samples sent to the roastery, we'll approve samples, and then we'll get the container shipped. But I missed it. 
I missed Nicaragua. I missed visiting the farms. Such a different beast that we deal with there. You know, the farms that we're buying from are producing container upon container. Um, you know, one of the farms, I think, is about six, seven containers. Um, we're obviously not buying all of that. But, um, and, the, the, you know, there's a lot of people buying this coffee, uh, buying the farm, the farms, you know, the different farms coffee as well. But what they do have there is just the most amazing variety of varietals. They have a plethora of different varietals and different experiences and different processing techniques. And it made me think a lot, actually, from talking to Ernesto, that I know that the processing has been developed at, in with the guys who are working in Nicaragua from customer feedback. I'm as guilty as the next. I created the funky process with them, which is a... Um, a very, very slow, drying, natural process, which is not everybody's cup of coffee. Um, but just to see how successful they are with it, and they have a lot of coffee to sell, and it's almost like a this helps us sell the coffee because we have these varietals, we have these processes. It's a lot easier to buy a container of farm, coffees from one farm that are different processes, different varietals, than it is to buy... You know, 280 bags of one varietal, one process from one farm. You know, selling that amount of coffee of one farm is a, is a big ask, certainly for a company my size. So it's interesting to see the way that Nicaragua works. I think the biggest thing that hits me is how professional it is. So I walk onto, I know Ali might listen to this, so I don't want to kind of badmouth him, but I walk onto Ali's farm. Sorry, Ali. And I'll say, how many bags are you going to have this year? And he'll go, uh, 100, 200, maybe 300. It's really difficult to plan. He's like, okay. And you, you work with it and you deal with it and it's great. I walked into the cupping lab at Limoncillo and uh, well, Limoncillo is one of the farms, well, at Maresh, sorry, I should call it by his proper name. Like, I'm, I'm being lazy. And I've got lot sizes. I've got how much it's going to be. I've got, and it's ready. It's like in parchment, ready to be milled, ready to be sent. And it's just like, Oh my God. And I got a sheet and we cooked five tables of like 50 odd coffees. And I'd got provenance, process, varietal, cost, how many bags they are. As a buyer, it's just like, this is easy. This is like going to the supermarket. I'll have 10 of those. I'll have 100 of those, 150 of those, four of those, three of those. Thank you very much. Um, so Nicaragua was just a great experience. It was great to catch up with uh, Eliane, who is the most inspirational woman in coffee. She runs that mill like a machine. Um, such a clever, smart lady um, that just worked, grew up in a coffee family but didn't love coffee till about seven, eight years ago and has just, in seven, eight years, she's become one of the most knowledgeable people I know about varietals, uh, particularly about processing uh, and about cupping. Like an amazing cupper to cup with so good so so good um the farms and the general state in nicaragua is good it's consistently good leaf rust a little bit under control you know roy the gallo a little bit it's okay like everything is just under control everything is just worked it's managed um in a way that i just don't see anywhere else like I came away from Nicaragua just going, professional, professional. Makes my job so much easier. Um, but it's, guess that comes with scale. 
you know, and, and, and like jump into Ali's defence. He doesn't necessarily have that scale. He doesn't have his own mill. doesn't have the people around him that are, you know, managing all of those elements. Um, and, and yeah, you know, it's just... It, but it, it's really refreshing. It, it's a beautiful place to go to. I said I would touch back on Honduras. Um, the Maresh family also own a couple of farms in Honduras, and that's where I get my Honduras from. Um and the reason I love buying from there and not other Hondurans is that I find that Hondurans age super, super quickly. It's just something I've found consistently year on year on year. Um, and I think it's a lot to do with the processing side of the coffee. Uh, and with Maresh, they are doing the processing that they do in Nicaragua in Honduras and doing it well. And we find that the coffees are holding up super, super well. So when I visit... Nicaragua, I almost feel like I'm visiting Honduras because I'm having those contacts and details that, uh, you know, are so important as a green buyer. From here, we jumped on an aeroplane to Costa Rica, uh, which is our final destination, you'll be pleased to know, because I'm wittering on a lot here. But there's a lot to cover. And Costa Rica is, for me, Costa Rica is two countries. So you have Central Western Valley, which is one country, and you have Tarazu, which is another country. I know there are other growing regions and, I, and other growing regions that are very up and coming, and I think we'll see lots of in the coming years. But at the minute, they're the two countries that I really buy from and deal with. Central Western Valley is the heart of the micro-mill revolution. You know, micro-mills sprang to life in Costa Rica that then changed the map of uh, uh, of coffee producing there. Um, you know, you can be a very small farm that produces 30 bags, 40 bags, and you can mill and process your own coffee. The Paganos machines that from Colombia that are take the mucilage off as well, so they use the scrubbing technique to remove, remove mucilage instead of having to go through a fermentation process, opened up the doors to these producers to make amazing coffees. Um, they were also needed there because of the lack of water. And this, is the, this, for me, is the home of the honeys. This is where honeys really belong. So if you're looking for honey process, Costa Rica, they've, they've, find it as a, they've honed it and find it as a skill. They've learned about it. They've made mistakes. And they do it so, so well. And there's so much knowledge there about honey processing that they can tap into neighbours, friends, other mills. Um, very, very exciting place. Uh, and I think this is a real positive for Costa Rican coffee. I am seeing a negative, And I'm seeing a negative of the coffee buyer. Because the coffee buyer can turn up and he can do 10 farms in a day. And I'm guilty. I'm charged and guilty. But when they turn up, we have a... I don't, I don't do this. I'm not guilty of this. But we have a... And I've seen it because I've travelled with other coffee people. We have this thing of telling the producer what they should do. Oh, you should rip out that coffee and plant Geisha. You should rip out that coffee and plant SL28. Like, I've never seen so much SL28 as I saw in, um, in, in uh, Costa Rica. And is it SL28? Possibly. Maybe. Probably. Um, it does have all of the uh, taxonomy of uh, a Kenya stroke type varietal. But I think what has happened is this is old SL28, which has mutated into a Central American SL28. And I think if we look at uh, Bourbon, uh, you know, Bourbon in El Salvador mutated into Pacas. You know, um, in 
Costa Rica, you know, into uh, Villa Sarchi. Um, you know, we see these mutations of varietals in places, um, but we don't keep calling them Bourbon. We call them Pacas. We call them, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the different names that we, we, we should do. But I think with the SL28 stroke Kenya, there's such a pull for it for a producer to do that they keep calling this SL28, which I'd much rather than call them Central America SL28 or, you know, Kenya. Kenya is a good good varietal name because you can see from the cherries that, you know, they, they do look SL28, but I don't think they taste the same as the SL28s from Kenya because a lot of the taste of Kenya coffee comes from processing comes from the flavors that are transposed in the in, in the special conditions they have for processing in Kenya. Um, the geisha thing really does scare me and really does worry me. I'm very concerned about the amount of geisha that I cut there that wasn't really geisha. We, we were on one farm, which I, I won't name because I admire his honesty so much. Um, and, you know, but he bought geisha seed and what he has isn't geisha. You know, the, somebody sold him some geisha. He's waited four years for it to grow and to really have a, a good stock of it. And when it's grown, it's it's not geisha. And he's saying, well, it has some geisha qualities, but it isn't the Panama geisha, the pure geisha. Uh, so I'm just going to call it uh, Katura geisha uh, because he feels that it is a mix between Katura and the, and, and, and the geisha varietal. Um and there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people being duped. And there's a lot of people trying to plant it where it shouldn't be planted. So at the altitude that doesn't suit it, that, that isn't great. But the coffees that we cooked that are the true... You know, Villa Sarchi in Costa Rica, for me, is a winner. It's as good as, you know, Pacamaras and Pacas in El Salvador. It's as good as uh, Mundo Novo from Brazil. It's as good as Panamas from Geisha. Uh, Geisha's from Panama, sorry. Wrong way around. Um... Yeah, you know, some of the Villas Arches we cooked were just stunning. Um, some of the geishas we cooked were very good. Uh, some of the Kenyas that we cooked were very good. Um, yeah, very, very promising and exciting harvest to come from Costa Rica. And not suffering from leaf rust. Yes, little problems here and there, but being completely managed. Yields are on the up. Um, all the producers that we are buying from are investing, doing well, managing doing a super job it's it, it's just fantastic to have these people and from central western valley i ended up in tarazoo and tarazoo is a mixture of those professional well-run big mills that are doing a solid job of making very very good coffee and hippies hippies who are praying to the wind gods um Organic farming, which I'm not saying organic farming is a bad thing um, at all, but very much like in love with the earth. Um, oh, what was the one? There was a saying that one of the producers said to me that I just absolutely loved. Oh, that was it. So he plants lots of trees. There's lots of shade amongst the coffee trees. And I was saying to him, I was like, so why do you have so much shade? Like shade's great, but it was almost excessive shade. And he said to me that, so... Coffee trees like to listen to the birds. And if they don't have a song, then they're not happy. So the birds love the trees. So he plants trees that attract different kinds of birds at different times of year. So all year round, the coffee trees have their own soundtrack. I'm just like, that's awesome. That's phenomenal. 
like this dude is my uh, like he's so much fun and he does have he's got a whole heap of hookie kookie ways um that i absolutely adore and um yeah, I, I will be talking about them on my blog at some point because I absolutely love this guy. He's he's nutty as a fruit and nut bar, but absolutely phenomenal producer that he's making stunning coffee that I pay way over the odds for because it's so, so good. Um, yeah, and that's Costa Rica. I, I'm, that's it. I'm, I'm kind of done. I'm going home. I've spent 17 days traveling around. I am exhausted. Um, it has been a full-on... Uh, I must have been to at least 25 coffee farms in 17 days, um, as well as many flights in between. Uh, and as happy as I am at Origin, I cannot wait to go home and try and relax a little and enjoy life a little bit more. Um, I'm sorry if this has been a long one, but I did do four countries in 30 minutes, so you've got to give me that at least. Um, so before I wrap up, rundown, El Salvador is in trouble and needs our helpers, coffee buyers, coffee, you know, coffee buyers, coffee roasters, um, and as baristas, um, we need to push El Salvador. We need to make sure that we can continue the amazing coffee industry that is there because it's at risk of dying. It really, really is. They are at a junction in the road where lots of producers are deciding, shall we stop or shall we carry on? And unless we keep paying for the coffee, then that's going to disappear. Guatemala, I wouldn't say it's on the critical list. Uh, I think there are lots of positives there, but there are lots of problems still. Um, it's a very unsafe country. It is. Um, there are lots of little things that are just niggling away that could become bigger if we don't step up. Um, Nicaragua, I love you. I love you, Nicaragua. I'm coming back next year. I don't care. Um, I don't care if I don't need to. I want to. Um, you know, and and but then there is a problem of underpaying for Nicaraguans. We underpay them because we don't value them as much as some of the more glamorous uh, locations. And the variety and flavors that can be found in Nicaraguan coffee are vastly underrated. Vastly, um, just because they can't plant, plant geisha doesn't mean that they are not awesome. Um, and Costa Rica, they got their back covered. They got themselves covered. They're doing an amazing job, and it's uh, it, it's stunning. It's just, yeah, pura vida. So, thank you. Um, I hope you're still awake. Uh, if you want me to stop doing these, tell Jen. I keep asking her, are you sure you want me to carry on? And she's like, yes, please carry on because you guys are saying that you like them. But if you are done with them, just let me know and I'll shut up. Um, Till next time, thank you for listening. Over and out. Thanks for listening to this podcast. It's proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli.